to That's Orgasmic. You are joined by your host, sexologist Emily Duncan, and today I'm joined with Jess Matthews, also colloquially known as the Boy Detox, who is a writer and dating and relationship expert. Jess has over eight years of experience as a writer with a focus on love, dating, sex, and relationships. Over the years, Jess has used her insights and observations to help educate men and women about how to navigate the ups and downs of dating. Jess coaches clients in a one-on-one capacity, regularly features on podcasts, and co- contributes to various media pieces about the complexities of modern dating of the modern dating world. So, welcome to That's Orgasmic. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to have a, I guess, like a dating relationship expert on. I've never had that before, so. I'm very keen to delve into this world um, and especially because I am currently amongst the casual dating world and it's just chaos. <laughs> Are you single? So yes, I am single. Okay. I've been single for like I think four years now, maybe five, probably longer to okay. be honest. <laughs> okay. um, so I've all my 20s so far I've just been single and it's it's a lot. Fabulous. <laughs> it is a lot. Yeah, it is. So I'd love to discuss dating in your 20s. Um, Obviously, this is a massive, broad topic from it's obviously different from when you're 20 to 29 and everything in between. But I guess just very broad question to start with. How the fuck do we approach dating when you're in your 20s? Honestly, I'm just going to say this. Run it up. Dating in your 20s should be fun. It should be wild. It should be really doing whatever you want to do. I use this analogy of an ice cream parlor. So when you go to an ice cream parlor, you have the opportunity to taste test the ice creams. And you basically want to get a sample of every different flavor for as long as you can before you decide on decide on your uh, choice and what to buy. So dating in your 20s should be like that. It's just an opportunity to sample all of the different types of people and have all of the different experiences that you can before you really decide on what you want and what you like. Because your 20s is essentially forming your life for you and it's an exploration phase where you're working out who you are and what you want. So dating kind of needs to reflect that as well. You don't need to take anything too seriously, but at the same time, if you want to, that's totally fine too. But I would say just enjoy getting to know yourself and getting to know what you want and then also taking different opportunities and going along for the ride with spontaneity. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a big phase of trial and error and I kind of always encourage people to cast the net wider at any age of dating. So instead of being hyper fixated on what you think your type might be, just go for different kinds of people or different outside of your type. Um, And that kind of gives you an idea of what different people are like. And you can kind of, it's, it's trial and error. You can kind of learn what you like from a whole range of people to kind of develop this idea of, a more ideal partner or a more ideal relationship or connection. So, yeah, use your 20s to run it up, go wild, have fun, be spontaneous, travel, just enjoy yourself because later on when you do make those decisions about who you are, what you want, and you get kind of serious, then it might be that you are with someone for a longer period of time and you don't have the opportunity to kind of 
dip in and dip out. Yeah, no, I love that. Especially like trying, I guess, different things, different people and going outside of your maybe comfort zone or what you think your type is. It's something I have tried to do the past couple months. Um, and even just down to like, the most it's honestly pathetic at some point <laughs> with like my I guess type because I'm always like brunette dark eyes so I went on a date with somebody who was like um strawberry blonde and that was massive for me I was like oh my god yeah. somebody who doesn't have dark hair um but I was like no I'm trying to push myself and even though that was so superficial I've just been like trying to force myself to go outside of what I think my little box is of what I like um so I love that and it's definitely the time to do it because you literally have like no commitments, really anything that's major and like we have the flexibility, I guess, to do that, which is fun and exciting. Um, I guess like when we are doing dating in our 20s and we are trying to work out what we want and who might be the right type of fit for us what are the types of things that we should be asking on like first dates and trying to work out one what values we're even looking for and what values then align with us that's a good question to start with I want to say that first dates are kind of they're generally a chemistry match and you should really only go with the intention to have a good time you don't really want to try and work out if you're going to marry somebody within the first two hours of knowing them. All you need to know is if you've had a good time and if you would like to see them again. Don't worry about whether they would like to see you again. It's all about would I spend some more time with this person. But you mentioned values and it is really important when we are thinking more seriously about relationships um, to work out somebody, work out what somebody's values are and try to align them with your own. And the funny thing about values is they are very, it's very serious. We think values are quite heavy and they are, but you don't just go into a date and say, so what are your values? Um, And if you Google values, you'll come up with terms like loyalty, compassion, authenticity, and all those things definitely matter. But in the early stages of dating, you want to try and ascertain your compatibility within within a connection. So I kind of like to look at, values from a lifestyle standpoint so by that I mean it's where you spend most of your time and most of your energy and that will kind of give you it'll paint you a picture of somebody's character so to work those kind of values out you want to be looking for what kind of things are important to this person so it could be family it could be work and ambition it could be travel it could be creativity it could be their social life so what I suggest in trying to ascertain those values is asking really simple questions like what have you got planned for the weekend where did you travel last how's your work week been and those questions will start to give you insights about this person's character so someone with huge huge family values might have spent the weekend with his or her nieces and nephews. Or if they're really driven by their ambition, they might have been working overtime on their on their side hustle or for a big pitch deck for work next week. Um, if they're driven by 
a, a focus or a love for travel, then maybe they're planning their next tra- trip to Nepal, Nepal or whatever it is. So obviously you're not going to get that from one question, but you can see where the conversation leads you to start to try and add up what their values are because values are essentially where we spend our time, our energy and our money. Yeah, I love that. And I think too, as you said, when you like Google values, it's coming up with things like honesty, loyalty. Yeah. I feel like that's so hard to work out unless you've been with somebody long-term to work out, are they being honest? Are they being loyal? Like the, that's impossible to ask somebody on a first date. Like, and, pe- and people will always tell you, uh, yeah, I'm loyal, I'm compassionate, I'm authentic. They'll always tell you that. But you, what you want is to see it and you want to see mm-hmm. their actions and words match. And in the early stages of dating, you don't have the time or the data to be able to understand whether somebody is loyal or authentic or compassionate. So you can't, you can't really go off those kinds of values. But yeah, the other reason that values are really important is because if you don't find someone that's aligned with your values, it can get you into a really sticky territory in a relationship. So say if you're someone that really values your health and fitness and every weekend you're kind of at the gym Saturday, Sunday, and you've met someone who's got a really big social life and they are out four nights a week, it might be cute for the first you know month three months, whatever, and you might compromise on going out together or going to the gym together. But in the end, you know, it's not, you're not going to be the same type of person. You're not going to be compatible so that you're not going to be able to live in a, in a relationship harmoniously for the long term. So you want to find that stuff out. Yeah. You want to find that stuff out earlier rather than later. Yeah, definitely. One thing, another thing like you mentioned then was about chemistry and trying to work out is the chemistry there on the first date. Do you think chemistry is something that like you just know on that first date or like can it grow? Hmm. Chemistry and compatibility are things that we, we most often get wrong because we are so driven by chemistry and chemistry is emotional and it feels amazing, but compatibility is the kind of values and it's the heaviness. But because chemistry feels great, we often chase that rather than chasing the compatibility. So yeah, sometimes you you meet someone and you have this feeling, which by the way is oxytocin, it's science, it's hormones. <laughs> so um, sometimes we have this feeling of chemistry and we're like, shit, we have such an, emo- uh, such an emotional chemical connection or whatever. But that chemistry can do us a disservice because it stops us from looking at the compatibility of the connection. Um, And yes, you can, to answer your question, you can curate chemistry with somebody. Um, You just have to be kind of willing to put in a little bit of effort to create that friction and tension with somebody. Mm, Yeah, definitely. I wonder then too, I suppose, when we're looking at dating in your 20s, if it's worth trying to put in, you know, like we've got so much time, like is it worth trying to build that chemistry if it's not there? Do you know what I mean? Like instead of it, like maybe you're in your later and you're like, okay, I've got this person seems like they could be really compatible, but I don't have that chemistry. Should we, like, I guess, it. you know what I mean? Like what should we be prioritizing? And I guess it's different to every person. But well, it's like, exactly is it worth it in your 20s? Yeah, go yeah. for it. I can, I can tell you what I exactly, exactly what I did and I've always done everything based off 
chem- uh, chemistry and emotions and enjoyed the shit out of myself. Um, I am single now though, so maybe that's, you know. But uh, <laughs> it, de- it look, it really depends on the person. If you want a relationship, then you should not be letting chemistry lead you and chemistry mm-hmm. alone. If you want to have a good time and to go to the ice cream shop and sample all the flavors, then hell yes, follow the chemistry. So that's where self-awareness is really key. You need to check in with yourself and work out what it is you really want. And if you're honestly okay with just riding the wave, doing spontaneity, having a great time, then for sure, follow the, follow the chemistry. Like chase the guy with the sweaty, shiny back, whatever it is. <laughs> but if if you're somebody that wants a relationship and you're sure of that, then you have to make sure that the compatibility is in check as well as the chemistry. Yeah, definitely. So people, I feel like, always are bagging the shit out of dating. Like constantly, anybody who is dating, like I don't hear anything positive about it (laughs) unless maybe you find somebody good. And like it's just constantly, everyone's just bagging the shit out of it. And saying, like, you know, we need old school romance back. Like, it was so much easier back in the day because I didn't have all these choices. And, you know, it goes on and on. But to, I guess, maybe be a little bit positive, do you think there's any, like, benefits in, like, the modern day dating in, like, Western culture? And just, I guess, your thoughts on this concept that dating is just terrible now? Uh, Yeah, I mean... I really have an issue with that narrative because the more we say that, the more that we're going to perpetuate our own negativity around that. Like, come on, dating is meant to be fun. It's romance, or can be romance, romance, sex, connection with new people um, and what's not fun about that. But I really think what you put into it is what you're going to get out. So if you're going to go to a date with a new person, just make sure you're in the mood to have a good time and no matter what happens, you'll have a good time or you'll leave. Um But back to the question, what benefits do we see from modern-day dating in the Western landscape? Mm. Yeah, that one. Um, So the way that things have kind of changed, I guess, in the dating landscape is that we now have a whole lot more choice and freedom around what we decide to do, which is a blessing and curse because with choice comes the subconscious belief that there might be something better out there and that's kind of the issue that's that's rooted in dating at the moment um, because there's a certain disposability and there's a certain amount of, well, yeah, I can just ditch this because there's something else out there, which means that we're not willing to put the effort in to the relationship, to the relationships and the connections that we have on the boil at the moment. Um, Esther Perel actually calls this relational ambivalence Um, And it's that exact kind of emotional whiplash that comes from the uncertainty in connections. Um, And it's where we see the smallest signs of adversity or difficulty. And instead of going through it and making the effort and communicating, we just dip out to the next thing because we're like, oh, fuck it, there's somebody else on Hinge. You can just swipe, you know, Mm. I can have a date tomorrow, whatever it is. So with the choice and freedom comes yeah, this ambivalence and this inability to kind of stay the course, which is disappointing. But if we want this old school romance back, what it takes is that commitment. So, 
Mm. And I feel like, especially for people in their 20s, it's so scary for them to do that when they think that the other person isn't going to do that. And I know even myself, I will jump the gun before they can do it to me if that makes sense like I will get back on dating apps or do that as almost like a protection because I'm like well they're gonna do that anyway so I've got to be like that one step ahead yeah which is so toxic (laughs) yeah I understand that I mean I do always say that in the early stages of dating it is safest to assume that everybody's dating a few people and I just mean safest from from like from the way of mentally and emotionally, like you kind of want to protect yourself. So in the early stages of dating, I don't think it's wrong to be continuing to, to be on Hinge and, and continue to date because, yeah, you don't, A, you don't know what they're doing, but more to the point, you don't know if you like them. So before you mm. really commit to them um, and before that's like, there's that conversation about exclusivity, then just do your best you you're allowed to be out there and looking around yeah definitely do you have any advice on how to navigate like how to work out if you like them and not be caught up in do they like me because like I feel like that's such a big problem where we're more concerned about if they like us and not don't even know how we feel about them yeah a hundred percent so we tend to particularly women, sorry to stereotype, but particularly women, we tend to romanticize rather than rationalize. And I always try to press people to rationalize instead of romanticize. So we tend to kind of go on one date and then run this narrative of over-romanticization of the connection. So what I ask people to do is just refrain from deciding that you like somebody until the end of the third date. That's all I want at the end of the third date because the first date is kind of a chemistry match, right? It's whatever happens, happens. The second the second date is really your first chance to understand who this person is and some of get an idea of their values. And then the third date is gives you an opportunity to be able to tell if somebody's words and actions are matching up and also by the third date if somebody's acting or they're playing the part or they just want sex from you they'll they'll drop the act by that point so if you haven't decided that you like someone before the end of the third date then you're much more protected and I know we kind of we leave a first date and we feel like it's amazing and we tell our friends and we're like fuck I'm gonna marry him Um, and whatever it is but the more that you can kind of keep a lid on that and just keep it low key until the end of the third date the better and whatever that is whatever that looks like for you then do it like don't be writing your surname next to his first next to your first name (laughs) on your binder whatever it is you know just dial down the chat with girlfriends about it just get to that uh, the end of the third date um, and then try to make a rational decision around whether you like them not about whether they like you yeah definitely because it's I feel like it's so difficult I'm definitely that romanticizer and I feel like I just get so bored in life so it's like something exciting and you're like oh my god let me just fantasize about this all day and then all of a sudden yeah they don't reply or something's you know feels a little bit off and then it's like holy shit I I like them even though you don't (laughs) yeah 
I actually sometimes have to remind myself because I still do it and especially do it after sex. When you have good sex, you get this oxytocin Mm. drip and it's worse for women. It lasts for longer, but I literally have to say to myself, Jess, this is oxytocin. This is your hormones doing shit in your head. You don't actually, you, maybe you'll like him, but we'll decide that later. So I've just got to call myself out on it sometimes out loud. Um, but yeah, so three dates, that's the rule of three. The other rule of three that I like is date three people at once <laughs> if you yep. can manage it because then it it distracts you in a positive way. It distracts you from hyper fixating on the, the one person. So if you've got another two around, then of course you're still going to think about the person that you might quote unquote like, but it's going to deter you from rushing in too quickly and going in with a like, oh shit, I love them. Um, as for dating three people, I love that. I need to try and do that. <laughs> I always struggle with that. I always like, Me too. as soon as I like one person more, I fuck the others off. I like get bored of my, oh, I can't be bothered. My ideal life is probably to date four people, but I haven't quite yet rustled up the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need to do it. That's one thing I was like trying to work on this year. I was like, I want to try and get like a, I don't know, you probably heard of like rosters and stuff. I'm like, I need yeah. to like try and do this for myself just to try something different because the way I've currently been doing it is not working. A hundred percent. Run it up, girl. Run it up. Literally. <laughs> Do you have any advice on like dating organically without dating apps? Because I keep hearing these conversations around like I want to meet people in person, blah, blah, blah. But like, yeah. Do you have any advice on it? Like I don't even know if it's even worth it. Like is it even going to change how, yeah, how leave, you date? You've got to leave the house to start with, which is difficult for yeah. a lot of us. <laughs> uh, I always kind of say to people like, if you, if you want new things to happen, if you want to make changes, then you have to stop doing the same things all the time. So where you can make even small changes, then do that. Don't go to the same bar all the time. Don't go to the same gym class all the, all the time. Go to a different cafe and just be open, open your eyes, get off your phone and just see what other people might be around that you can potentially make a connection to. Um, it's just about keeping your eyes open and being open to new opportunities and saying yes, I think. I mean, mm-hmm. travel also really helps with this. If you can travel, then um, something happens when you're overseas and you're just like a lot more open to making new connections that you might not make um, at home. I think it's like a different version of you. Um, but I also sort of say to people that approach new connections not just for romance or for the, for a relationship's sake, just if you meet somebody new, then be happy with the fact that it might be a new friendship or it might be somebody that turns into a business partner. But say yes and you never know where those connections might lead you years down the track or, yeah, I mean you could go on a date with somebody and decide that you it doesn't work but you could be then become best mates and then get married. You never know. So I think just being open to new connections across the board is helpful. But otherwise, change up what you're doing. Um, Get your girlfriends and go to different bars, go to a different suburb. I mean, I know in Sydney um, people are kind of locked into this idea of, you know, we only go out in the east or we only go out on the north side of the bridge. Just mix it up a bit and see what happens. 
Yeah, definitely. I also love when you said about like when you're overseas, it seems to happen Mm. more organically, but I feel like you put yourself out of your comfort zone more. And it just made me think of the first time I traveled by myself. I was just walking up to randoms and just talking to Mm. them or like everywhere I went, I was just asking people like, oh, where's the best place to go for lunch or this? Like you just force yourself to talk to people and to put yourself out there. And from that, I met so many people and made so many more connections. So I feel like applying that mindset to where you are comfortable would instantly open up more options. Yeah. And it is, I mean, dating is about risk and you do have to, and the more you are comfortable taking small risks, the better. Um, And so you want to practice that as much as you can, even just saying hello to your barista in the morning or like you have nice eyes or something like that. It just opens up your vernacular and it opens up your like mind to doing different things. But if you can go overseas and have a bit of a practice, like I'm insane when I'm overseas. I think I'm a completely different people person. My friends kind of, when I go overseas, they're like, shit, Jess is overseas. Can't wait for more content. Like what's she going to write? What's she going to do? So, yeah, it's about getting out of that comfort zone, really. Yeah, definitely. Another thing I wanted to touch on is something called, like, boyfriend, girlfriend, partner privileges. And they're things that, like, if you're just dating somebody in a situationship, whatever it is, but you're not, like, officially dating, that you leave out until you have that, like, official boyfriend girlfriend whatever it is title so like Mm -hmm. for example like you know no back scratches until you're my boyfriend (laughs) so what are your thoughts on like maybe like just about them in general and maybe putting them in practice okay so what I read this is what I read this as is this is just in setting, this is just setting kind of internal benchmarks or boundaries um, that we use as individuals to emotionally protect ourselves. And I think it's completely fine, but I do think that we need to understand that every individual is going to be different. So for some people, they might not ever want to sleep with a casual sex partner in the same bed overnight. For other people, that might be okay. I've got friends who won't put a guy's name in their phone until post date three or whatever. They don't name name the puppy or whatever they say. But, um, yeah, I think it's, it's great to have those kind of boundaries. If it gets to a point where it has – it upsets somebody, then, of course, you need to communicate about it. Or if you're on the other side and somebody's not giving you what you need and you're confused about it, then ask – ask a question about it but always kind of approach it from a place of curiosity rather than accusation because it's essentially a boundary and for that reason I think it's it's I think it's a great thing um and I guess the other thing to know is that these boundaries or benchmarks will change over time and they'll change from person to person so they're always going to be in a state of flux I guess Another thing that I also wanted to talk about, because I just seem to be fucking everywhere when you're in your 20s, is mm-hmm. fuckboys. Um, and obviously this is probably a bit like heteronormative, but they just seem to be fucking everywhere. And it's just like, how do you how do you navigate that? Well, first of all, bad news, they don't go away. There are fuckboys mm-hmm. in their 20s, 30s, 40s, maybe probably 50s. They're everywhere. Um 
So how do we navigate them or how do we make them go away? Because they're not going away. How do we navigate them? Okay. So the problem that I have with fuckboys is that they're always going to exist and they're promiscuous men or women and there's nothing wrong with being promiscuous and there's nothing wrong with casual sex. The real issue with fuckboys that I see is that they have, there's a lack of transparency. So they're not willing to communicate what they actually want from a situation and that's where the problem is because if they just said to a woman, I just want to fuck but that's it, then the woman has the ability and the chance to say, no, that's not for me. So the issue is in the the lack of transparency and the manipulation Um, and they're kind of willing to go along with playing the game for a little bit just so that they can get the sex, which I don't like the game bit of it. But I think in terms of navigating them, um, there's plenty of observations that you can make to discern whether somebody is a fuckboy or not. But ultimately, it comes down to communicating your expect or your expectations and your needs up front. So, if it, if someone is a fuckboy, you're sure as shit going to know that they're not going to tell you what they want. And if they do tell you what they want, it's probably a lie. But the way around that is by saying. I just want casual sex, but in that I'd like to be treated well and this is my expectation from you and if you can't meet those expectations, then you can fuck off. Or I'm I'm not wanting to do the casual sex thing. I'm looking for a relationship, so if that's not for you, please let me know so I can work out what I'd like from this. Mm. So if they're not going to be clear with you, then you have to be clear with them and if they're not giving you that clarity back, then you have to get rid of them yeah definitely do you think we should be doing this like as soon as possible trying like telling them what we want and having that conversation Hmm. depends how uh destructive you are self (laughs) how self-destructive you are it and it depends on whether you're enjoying your time with them how quickly you realize they're a fuckboy like I guess I can read men's behaviour quite quickly now, so within 20 or 30 minutes I'll know. But it's okay to take your time to work it out and to enjoy it, but as soon as you get that niggling feeling, and you'll know it, trust your instinct, as soon as you get that niggling feeling that they're not going to give you what you want or it's not making you feel good, that's when you have to tell them, when it's not making you feel good. If if, If you're happy with it, if you don't really give a shit, if it's great sex and you really don't care if they're breadcrumbing you or like only want to see you once every two weeks, but it's great sex, then go for gold. But once it starts to upset you, that's it. You have to protect yourself mm. and tell them. Yeah, absolutely. And that's so hard because sometimes like it's always the things that are the worst for you that can make you feel so good when you like, when of you course. get that. And, like, so many people are like, I can change them. But it never happens. <laughs> you can never change yeah. them, ever. You can't change anyone. So no. yeah, you can't change anyone is probably a golden rule. So if you can enjoy it and if you are enjoying it, then then run it up. But otherwise, if they're hurting you, then you have to walk away. And you'll realise because we fuck boys, you go round and round in circle, circles. Mm. Yeah, you definitely do. Is there anything else when it comes to dating in your 20s that you think is important to touch on? 
I think self-awareness is really key. Um, we're living kind of in an age at the moment with TikTok and with Instagram where everyone is becoming a lot more self-aware and we're starting to label things. We understand what avoidance are, what anxious are. We understand love languages. We understand what red flags and green flags are. And we're getting a lot more aware about what's going on. Mm -hmm. However, where I think this backfires is where we so quickly jump to labeling people. We jump to labeling a red flag when it's pineapple on a pizza that's not a red flag um and we jump to labeling someone a narcissist or an avoidant when we actually maybe haven't given them the time but also when we maybe haven't worked out who we are and how we play a role in dating or a connection or how it's gone wrong so not only self-awareness but I think everyone needs to be more accountable and the younger that you can start to be accountable for your own behavior the better because it comes you know you work out the error of your ways in your 30s <laughs> and it, they're mm -hmm. hard it's hard to face at times because probably by your 30s you might have been in a long-term relationship and you've done a bit of reflecting and you work out how oh I really fucked that up or that wasn't, that wasn't all his fault, it was my fault too. So the earlier that you can kind of train that muscle to be more accountable and to dial up the self-awareness, I think the better. And self-awareness and accountability is not just slapping on a label of a red flag or a green flag or avoidant or narcissistic. It is really dipping into your own needs and wants and uh, character and knowing what your flaws are and knowing what, how your behavior can go, can go sideways. So yeah. Being yeah, definitely. And I a hundred percent agree. We're so quick to label everything these days. Like everybody's yeah. apparently dated a narcissist, even though, you know, statistically oh. there's not that many in the world. <laughs> I know. And... Narc the labeling narcissist is a, such a pet hate of mine. No, I agree. Literally everybody labels people so quickly and it's like sure mm. they might have one or two narcissistic tendency potentially and don't we all doesn't mean that literally but that doesn't mean you're diagnosed as a narcissist like it's a mental, it's it's a mental two health completely disorder different yeah literally yeah. like you have to go through a whole like the diagnosis process like it's just yeah it gets yeah. thrown around so much and the same with red flags like everybody yep is talking about red flags and everything these days and yeah, you hundred percent like we're right with TikTok. Like it has just blown mm. everything out. It's been great for education, but then there's also, I guess, the problem of when you get given information, but in a small dose, and you don't have a educated conversation around it. You're just being like, you're just taking information in. If that makes sense, it's not in yeah, like an educational setting. You're weaponizing the education, so you're using the education to blame other people rather than taking it and consuming it and reflecting on your own behavior and actions, which is really damaging. Mm, so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Read books so, if you want education, not TikTok. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's great advice. That's actually really good advice. <laughs> if you want a book list from me about relate, like, relationship and dating books I've got a whole list that you can read that are actually going to educate oh, yeah. you rather than help you label <laughs> do you know what that would actually be amazing I should actually put something like that in the show notes so everybody go yeah. read 
Yep, 100% I can do that for you. Now, I would love to know what is something that is orgasmic to you? Oh, this is kind of boring, but after a long day slash week, and there's a lot of them in my life, um, (laughs) I like to come home to my apartment. I live halfway between, I spend half my week in Sydney, half my week in Wollongong. So when I get back down to Wollongong, Mm To my apartment, I just lie on the floor in the dark and eat popcorn and vape by myself. And I love it. <laughs> I love it. That's oh what my I look God. to at the end of every week. I love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's the simple things yep. in life. It's the simple it really things. <laughs> it's like, leave me alone in the dark with my vape, please. <laughs> yeah, oh, I love that. So where can the shaggers find you and your content? The Shaggers, come and visit me at The Boy Detox on Instagram. Also, my website is www.theboydetox.com. I do one-on-one sessions, but you can also book in for a free 15-minute discovery call if you'd like to through the website. Um, can't wait Amazing. to speak to you all. <laughs> Amazing. I'll also put it in the show notes um, for everybody Thank so you. they can come find you. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insight on dating and relationships. Thank you for having me. As always, Shaggers, please reach out with any comments, questions or stories, either through my Instagram at That's Orgasmic or my email at emilyduncan at thatsorgasmic.com. Please subscribe on whatever platform you used to listen to this podcast and leave a review as I'd love to know what you're thinking. So thank you, Shaggers, and I'll see you next time. <gasps>